0: Welcome everybody, Um, those of you who've been here a good chunk of the time, those of you who've been coming in and out, those of you who may just have dropped in for the evening Dharma talk, welcome to you all. One of my teachers says, welcome, and then he says, it's well that you have come. (laughs) And it is. It's noble work. How many people were here for the uh, noisy day yesterday? Just raise your hand. Okay, and how many people were here for the sit just before lunch today that were also? Okay, good, then, then you'll appreciate this. Um, the actors that we hired
1: to, <laughs> to
0: go up on the roof and, and to make, you know, drilling noises and, and banging and things, They couldn't make it for today, but we were able to find a guy who was able to stand out in the back parking lot and, in a very annoying way, keep talking to help us work with uh, annoying states of heart and mind. So, um, some of you may have realized that. Well, I was looking out at you all uh, before starting, and. just having uh, really warm feelings, just uh, really appreciating the effort that you're making to um, to be here and to show up. Whether you're here a little bit or a lot, um, I, I still congratulate you for um, showing up and, and putting forth the effort. And, you know, uh, this all can't happen without you. And so... Uh, you all are of great support to one another. So I just want to wanna congratulate you for that. And I want to just take a moment for myself to just feel that, that gratitude. You know, current neuroscience uh, has made it pretty clear that when we have a, a challenging um, experience, uh, sort of a negative or powerfully aversive experience to some some um, stimulus, we that imprints immediately. I mean, we, we get that. You know, that happens. We remember that. But when, we, when it's something that's um, something like maybe gratitude or joy or whatever, it takes more time for that to actually imprint. And we have to actually give it its due. We have to give it, I think it's 30 seconds or something like that, in order for it to imprint. So maybe that worked for me, I hope so. <laughs> and you too. Well, I was thinking, Bob um, started out, and, and he did it for um, reasons of his Dharma talk, but I'm just doing it to do it. Um, he t- started out talking about how he came to practice, and I'm just going to take a few minutes before I go into the formal talk, and um, and talk about how I came in, because it was very, you could say, very serendipitous. Um In 1968, I had just finished my uh, internship at the county hospital in San Jose and it was in the heat of the Vietnam War and they needed doctors and so all doctors went that were fit enough to go and so did I. So uh, we were married, we'd been married a year and um, I went and uh, I was a doctor, the only doctor for about 800 people. They called me a battalion surgeon, but I wasn't a surgeon. I took care of a lot of V.D. I took care of skin disease. I took care of some injuries, some trauma. And I, uh, the one saving grace of being in Vietnam was, in that particular um, situation was that they had a program where they were trying to pacify the people in the country, and they used the doctors to go out on what they called med caps, which were visits to the little villages to take care of their medical needs. I loved it. It was great. I got to know the Vietnamese people. I loved the Vietnamese people. I saw humor and intelligence and kindness and just really, it really blew me away because there we were in this country where there was mayhem. And uh, I had an interpreter and we became very close. He was a very bright man raised Buddhist and in a monastery for them and in a Theravadan monastery, which... Is not the predominant form of Buddhism in that country, and um, after talking to him for a while, I was curious, and I, I had sort of dabbled in Eastern stuff. I used, I mean, I, I read the Jack Kerouac, and you know, I was just, you know, I was, I was reading about the Beatniks and and their Eastern experiences, and and so I, I was curious, and I said, "Would you take me to your monastery?" And so he did me to the monastery, which at that time was on the outskirts of Way. But when Jill and I went back and visited him and the country, it was right in Way. And uh, we went there, and I walked in. I can feel it. I walked in, and there were monks sitting there in robes. Uh, they were a little startled to see me. I was in uniform, but I had stopped carrying a gun. I didn't carry a gun in Vietnam uh, after about the first two months. And um, there, there just was something palpable about that experience, something deep. So, In the mayhem of war and the craziness, I walked in there and I could just feel something powerful. It was a feeling, a strong, feel, a pleasant feeling and um that stayed with me and um and so, when we came home, we were looking for something but this was this was uh nineteen seventy actually uh six sixty nine actually and uh there wasn't really too much going on that we knew about in this area, and so we found yoga and we didn't yoga at that time was both meditation and um, postures, and so we, we did that, and then it morphed into to a, to the Buddhist practice. So that, that's my story. Uh, so I'm very grateful to Trung, my friend Trung, who I still correspond with. By the way, he, I lost him for about 20 years. I thought he was dead, and then I, I was reconnected with him through a, a long story. It's a great story. story, but it's a good story, <laughs> but I, I, I think I won't go into that. So I'm talking about identification. This is the topic I chose, and then after I chose it, I thought, do I really want to do this? Um, it's, it's, um, it can be kind of dry, and it can be um, kind of subtle. And yet, I think it's really, really important. Um, and so we've been talking a little bit, when we've talked about um, the body and then moving to feelings and then states of the mind and heart, the foundations, we've been alluding to this, um, this thing called dependent origination, which is sort of the long version of, of that there is suffering, there is a... a cause of suffering, there's this possibility of the ending of suffering, and there's this path. And um, this is kind of the long version of suffering. And I'm not going to tell you the whole version because that gets real complicated too. But I think we've done enough so that you can kind of hear part of it. So we have these sense bases. We have these: the eyes that see, the ears that hear, the nose that smells, the tongue and mouth that taste, the body that senses that has it feels touch and the mind that thinks and feels so we have those so when there's contact with some external uh, object uh, it's pretty clear that it's a smell if it's the nose and it's a sight if it's the eyes and the, but for the mind and the heart it's uh, for excuse me for the yeah the, the heart and mind it's thoughts, and emotions. Those are the objects that the mind connects with. When that happens, as we've been talking about, there's a feeling tone that's generated. This is kind of clever of the Buddha to figure this out, I think. And this this feeling tone that comes up is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And we've been, been hearing and teaching that if we can really realize it, if we can know it at the time, which can be hard, can be very hard to pick up, then we haven't really quite entered the realm of suffering yet. It's just unpleasant or pleasant. But if we miss it, then we continue on on this this series of, of events and we move from uh, Vedana, which is the the um, feeling tone to to craving so craving we, we, we want it and we really want it and we'll do what it takes to get it and we'll do what it takes to keep it and it can take a lot of energy and then again, if we don't get it then we're kind of unhappy and if it's um, a craving for getting rid of something that we don't like, then um, we'll also use a lot of energy and whatever it takes to do that. We'll deny it, we'll push it away, we'll avoid it, uh, uh, we'll try and forget it. Um, All of our tactics, none of which work. And so then if we are caught this far then it moves to clinging and that means that if we get it we hold on to it we grab it we don't want to let it go we hold and if we um, don't get it then we it, excuse me if we are wanting to push it away then we're using a lot of energy to keep it away we're clinging in that way too. We're resisting. That's the form of clinging that's in the un- for the unpleasant. We're resisting. It's kind of I like the I like the uh, um, metaphor for me of a of a toaster. For those of you who know anything about electronics, a toaster is a resistor. It's just a big resistor, and when current goes through it, it resists it and it turns the current into heat. And that's what happens. We get the heat. Of resisting. So, the Buddha, going back to the simple form of the um, Four Noble Truths, I want you to actually, I want to read you the actual First Noble Truth as it's in the scriptures. So, dukkha is the Pali word for suffering, but you can substitute worry, anxiety, stress. Incapable of satisfying, you can pick and choose whatever works for you. So, birth is dukkha, aging is dukkha, illness is dukkha, and death is dukkha. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are dukkha. Associating with the unbeloved is dukkha. Separation from the loved is dukkha not getting what is wanted is dukkha. It's true isn't it all of it? I mean, you know, it's tough. But then there's this last one and it says in conclusion. So that sound, I always like the in conclusion. Sometimes I skip the rest and I just <laughs> go to the in conclusion. In conclusion the five clinging aggregates are dukkha. There's a bunch of words that we don't quite know. Now clinging maybe we know now. It said like, that holding on, it's a you know, that, uh, grabbing on. I can't let go. I, I can't let go of that insult that that person gave me. I just God, I can't. I don't know why they did that. I just, it just, and that's not all. It's not the first time they've done.
1: it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I want to come back to that clinging because that's really going to lead us into identification but I also uh, want to maybe float a, a concept that I think has been helpful for me in understanding this before we do that and that is that I like to think of suffering as having two aspects there's inevitable suffering I mean there's suffering that you I mean old age sickness and death right I mean has anybody figured out how to not have that I don't think so. I think that's, that's inevitable, right? I mean, we're in this human form and we're going to suffer there's, in that way. I and mean, that's just going to happen to all of us. We may not age, but that's kind of sad too, you know? Mm-hmm. We die young. And most of us will experience illness in some <coughs> way. So there's also, however... There's inevitable suffering, but there's optional suffering. And I think that's what the Buddha is really pointing us towards. The optional suffering. The suffering that's really due to clinging. Craving and clinging. That's the suffering that we here have a chance to work with. And so, that's what I I want to talk about. And so, he has many different interesting little teachings to... To, um, to help us work with this and so I want to talk about these five clinging aggregates. So we know what five means, uh, we know what clinging now means, uh, aggregates we could work on a little bit and we know, kind of know what dukkha means. Okay. So what's an aggregate? Well, an aggregate is kind of like a bundle. An aggregate, if you talk about it in rocks, is just a, a bunch of different rocks in a matrix of some form, okay? Well, the Buddha says that basically this thing we call a self is just an aggregate. And not only is it just an aggregate, but it's an aggregate of a bunch of changing things. So that's you start to wonder, well, well then, what is this self? So what are these aggregates? So the first one is form, and the Pali word for that is rupa. And form is just the solid parts of this, right? This form. So um, anybody here attached to their form?
1: (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, when I look in the mirror and and, and and the little side cabinets open a little bit and I get a sort of a side view of my head... I look at it and I go, my God, I've only got a half a head of hair. I mean, half of my hair is missing, you know. It didn't always (laughs) used to be that way. I used to have a big curly head of hair. A Hebrew, I called it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And
0: um, I don't have that anymore. And then there was a time when I realized that my body, instead of sort of having nice broad shoulders and kind of narrowing a bit at the waist... Was looking more like I thought it looked a little. Told Jill I thought it looked like a harbor seal. You know, sort of sort of got round on the sides and and, you know so. uh, Yeah, and there's. and then there's of course the good mirrors and the bad mirrors. <laughs> you know, I've got one house, one mirror in my house that, uh, boy, that's a good one to avoid. But unfortunately, it's my bathroom mirror. I'm looking at it all the time. And then there's another mirror. Hey, not not too bad,
1: not too bad
0: for a 73 year old guy. But um, so these bodies, yeah, we uh, we definitely attach to these bodies. We identify with these bodies. These bodies are ours. We own these bodies. It's mine. It's who I am. You know, we do. We do. And to the extent that we cling to the to this idea, we suffer. Right? You know, we, we, you may need to feel the need to have a surgery or operation or something to keep ourselves looking young. And I have no judgment on that, but I know that there's some angst around that. And I, and I have compassion for that. Um... So, there's form. There's feeling, and we know about that, right? We've, we've talked about Vedana. There's pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And we, and we can, you know, we, can, we, we identify with that pleasant and unpleasant feeling, too. We can get <coughs> stuck there, too. You know, we, quickly that pleasant turns to, I want it, i got to have it. We've talked about it. Don't need to really say too much about that. Then there's perception, and that's an interesting one because, in the, you know, there's a lot of different words, uh, excuse me, there's a lot of different definitions uh, around what is perception, but in Buddhist terminology, it's memory, it's past conditioning, <coughs> it's labels of things, um, it's prejudices. Uh, so, these things can cause dukkha, too. I mean, we can cause dukkha for ourselves and for others uh, with our prejudices and our lack of ability to be present for what is in front of us because we're so conditioned by our perceptions that we can't see clearly. A lot of dukkha there, too. And then... And, and so that, that is, a sanya is the Pali word for that, like little tildes over the ends. And then there is sankara. And this is a really a complex word in Buddhism and has a lot of different meanings. But um, it's um, mental formations, is, a, is, a, is one of the words that's used. Um, it's um, our conditioned. Uh, mind that, uh, that goes off and takes perception and, and then proliferates our proliferating <clears throat> mind and on top of that there is an active part of sankara there's an action involved Oftentimes, based on it we, we, we take a certain action on our habit it's a habit too, it's our habits our habitual ways of thinking about things so then we, we take action based on our sankhara, our habits, and our conditioning. And we all know how much trouble habits can get us into. You know, Because once again, we're really not present for the data, the raw data of what's really going on that we're experiencing. We're, we're lost in our habits. And... Uh, we can certainly identify with that. And there's another word that I like to uh, attach to this, and we'll, maybe this will come up a little bit more. I love the word, the way it sounds. So, uh, it's papancha. And that's another Pali word, and it just means proliferation. So, it's that, it's that tendency of the mind to go from one thought to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and never-ending if we don't bring awareness to it. And it's certainly a major cause of suffering. So we take, uh, we take just a, a contact at any of the sense organs that we have, including the mind, don't forget, with a thought or a feeling, and then it gets totally complicated by Papancha. Corrupted, just completely lost from the essence of whatever it is that it was, a thought. You know, maybe like a thought. Um, uh, I don't feel good. That's just a thought, isn't it? And then it might go to, God, I didn't feel good yesterday either. You know, I've actually lost a couple of pounds in the last couple of weeks. God, maybe I'm really sick. I better go see a doctor. Oh, but God, my doctors take so long, and before you know it, you know you are—we're lost, we're gone, we're really gone. And so we again we were, we've 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 created suffering. There's another way that the Buddha so so, uh, and there's the last the last one, which is a little it's a little trickier, and that's consciousness, and that's that's a. Uh, um, That's a little harder to kind of grasp for me, but basically consciousness is that first contact that we make with an object when it registers. Before we name it, because that's already perception, but it registers. I'm looking up and I see that on the wall. (laughs) So it registers. That's consciousness. So we have eye consciousness and we have ear consciousness and we have mind we have all the consciousnesses. So um, so there's another way that so the Buddha is pointing with all this, is he's saying basically that all of these aggregates have three characteristics. They're all impermanent. They are. I mean we know the body's impermanent, it it changes it's all of its cells change completely every seven years, right? So, so there's nothing permanent about that. And we can see, you know, that, you know, we're not pooping in our diapers anymore. <laughs> well, that happens sometimes. Sometimes that can, that can happen too. And I have, I have uh, a relative who is doing that right now. So that's, sometimes that's not so funny. But, um, so we're, we're, we're changing. We're, our form is constantly changing. Our, our, I don't know if you noticed, but the sounds say that occurred in the last couple of days. Uh, our, my reaction to those sounds sometimes was pleasant. Sometimes, oftentimes, most of the time, it was neutral, and sometimes it was unpleasant. Did you notice that? And even the same sound. So what's permanent about Veda? Now? Nothing. So that's impermanent too. And. Our perceptions. Oh my God! You know we know that, right? Our prejudices. Sometimes we see clearly, and then our prejudices change. And what we thought was really true isn't. And um, and certainly our form our mind. I mean, the thoughts changing. I mean, you know, we don't have. We've been sitting here long enough to know that. I don't have to go into that one. And uh, and consciousness too. Consciousness too. Uh, depending upon our conditionings we we notice certain things and we don't notice other things and depending upon you know what you walked in with today having conditioned your arrival certain things arose and you noticed them and certain things didn't so they're all impermanent and the buddha says they're not self they're not i me or mine and they're dukkha they're unsatisfactory, every one of them. But for no other reason as you, you can't pin them down. They're changing. So, so, this is from a Time magazine article. Despite our every instinct to the contrary, consciousness is... Now, they're talking about big consciousness, not, uh, not the consciousness specific to the sense organ is not some entity inside the brain that corresponds to self, some kernel of awareness that runs the show. After more than a century of looking for it, brain researchers have concluded that such a self simply does not exist. So, Jill and I teach in prison, and in prison, each gang has a shot caller. The shot caller is the boss. When the boss says to do something, you better do it, even if it's going to cause you time in the hole, which it often will. And so you do it. So he's in charge. When he says it, it pretty much gets done. It takes a rare inmate to, to, but there are some, and we've known some, to um, resist that. Do we have a shot caller? Can we stop uh, our mental proliferations easily? Can we stop our bodies from aging? Can we stop our perceptions of things? I mean, we're, we're accultured by our, our um, environment and our, our culture here, right? I mean, you know, we, we see things in a certain way because we were born here. Can we, can we just stop that whole thing? It's pretty hard, <coughs> pretty hard to move beyond that. So, um, so then you start to wonder. Okay, so, so how how can we start to see, be more sensitive to when this self is arising? How can we start to see this? So the Buddha had some. He had some ways to to help us with this. And. Um, one of the ways is something he called the eight worldly winds. And, um, and uh, <clears throat> I have trouble memorizing things. Here I am, a doctor, and I had tried, really had trouble memorizing things. So I always had to make something work from either either a mnemonic, you know, that sort of put a letter in front of each thing, or, or a rhyme or something. So I, I, I organize these a little differently so that I can remember <coughs> So I do praise and blame Pleasure and pain Loss and gain And disrepute and fame Now the problem with that Is it takes it reverses some of the positives and the negatives Or the pleasant and the unpleasant Terrible Yeah, yeah I know. And, and so that is, that, is, that is the one problem with that But it helps me remember it So I can remember it So when I give a Dharma talk I don't have to Let's see so, so these are just skillful means. In fact, this whole teaching of self, not self is really just a skillful means. It's a Buddha's way of saying, look at it this way. You know, look at it this way. Think about this. You know, when you move into um, when you move into mental formations and you move into craving and clinging, uh you're 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 clinging to a sense of self that actually doesn't really exist. There's in an, an ultimate sense it doesn't exist. In a relative sense, it exists, right? We all know that. I mean, there's there's this thing here that's sitting here babbling, you know. So I mean, um, you yeah, know, we have bank accounts and email addresses and and addresses and cell phone numbers and. Maybe even Facebook accounts. (laughs) And so um, there is, on a relative sense, there's something here, right? I mean, and we're not denying that. But on a more ultimate sense, there's nothing that's not constantly changing. There's nothing that isn't dependent on something else for its its existence. So there's no independent, self existent, unchanging self so he's saying you can use this you can use this to soften you can use this to when you start to notice that there's a self coming up you can use it so the self is kind of like this a flashlight but if you were in England you'd call it a torch <laughs> so there's perception right there we've got two different things so you know you got let's see we got this thing and this takes a long time to I notice this because I did it Okay, we got <laughs> amazing. So we got this. Yeah. Oh, look at that! That thing comes out. Look at all those little individual LED lights. That's kind of cool. And then we got uh, we got this thing here, and we got a little spring.
1: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: and then oh yeah Where did, oh here. So and then we got this little thing.
1: Oh, and look at that! This
0: is all these little things. I'm not going to take them all out. But battery so, <laughs> Battery. So this is certainly an aggregate, isn't it? And the Buddha is saying our self is really no different. What? Where's the self in this? You know, where? Where's the bat? Where's the flashlight? Now, it's a spring and it's a casing and it's this battery pack and this weird looking set of LED lights and so the Buddha is saying our self really is no different it's really no different <clears throat> ok so now it sounds like I got this thing down
1: right <laughs> <laughs> no I, I don't self no, not really. well
0: I have to admit Oh know <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to ok <laughs> I've got to admit it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> see this? See, see this? See this?
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot
0: Wow. There's a lot of times. Okay. With his name. Yeah, with my name. Yeah. Okay. So, I admit it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I admit
0: it. I don't have the cell thing down completely. <laughs> But I will say that I used to suffer a lot more around being a softball player and a baseball player. So I have heavy conditioning around this. My father was uh, a baseball player and uh, taught me from the time I was probably three how to play ball. And I've played ball of some form all the way through now. And so I'm on a team now that's a bunch of old guys. I mean, okay. I mean, so, so I'll impress you with the fact that we won a Western Regional Championship this year. We won a National Championship this year. And two years ago, we won a, a World Championship. So I'm playing on a good team with a bunch of really good athletes. And I like that. I get a lot of joy. Out of it. And... Um, we're all between the ages of 70 and 75. <laughs> so so it's a little different when you see the guys even who are 50 you know, playing it's a whole I mean, so you see these bodies are changing this form is changing constantly changing so yes, I've got some ego around softball no doubt about it and I used to suffer a lot more I'll tell you that I've always been a good loser it's not a problem of being a good loser I'm not mean to people and that's not it (laughs) the only person I'm really mean to is me When I don't, well, I get nervous before I'm going to play a big game. I get really nervous. You know, I don't sleep well. I, you know, just, I stress about it. And it's all, there's a self in there for sure, right? I mean, you know, you know that. And uh, if I play well, I'm happy. Praise. And if I don't play too well, um, I suffer a little bit, but I used to suffer a lot more. I'll say that. I used to suffer a whole lot more. I'm able to let it go a lot more. So my optional suffering is definitely improving. So praise and blame, we all know that one. And, you know, praise and blame has the three characteristics too. You know, I'm I'm not the self that was worthy of praise and I'm not the self that was worthy of blame. I mean, they're all changing. You know, one day I play great and the next day, who knows? Who knows what, who's going to show up? The Bruce baseball player that's going to show up, and so praise and blame is just not something you can count on. It's changeable. You know, can anybody go through life being praised all the
1: time? No.
0: But we, do we identify around with it, around it, and suffer? <sighs> yeah. Praise and loss and gain. Again, you know, there's loss that's that's inevitable. Suffering when we lose a loved one, when we lose our health. Um, you know, this is this. That's not funny. Uh, it's serious, and 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 there is going to be some inevitable suffering around that, isn't there? I mean, we're human, right? It's not to say we shouldn't feel. We're human beings, and so we feel the loss. We when we lose a parent, when we lose a child, when we lose a dear one, when we lose our health. Um, it's it's. Serious, it's tough, it's challenging. And I'm not in all, at all making light of that. But we always need to check in to see, you know, am I adding to this? Is there something in the heart or the mind that's adding to this? Because we create ourself, 95% of our self is created in our thoughts and in our feelings. Yeah, I mean, we have the bodies, but it's really our thoughts and feelings around the bodies that create the suffering, really. And so, when we're working with states of the mind and heart, and Jill's telling us to pay attention to our mood, and we're also trying to bring some awareness to when the mind starts to proliferate, go into papancha, this is really important stuff. This is the way we deal with and we work with the sense of self and the suffering that attachment to self causes. So praise and blame, loss and gain gain's great, you know, you get a new job, you, you, you get a raise uh, you uh, get, buy a new house, you get a new car it's great. Except the car gets dinged and then dukkha. Uh, you know. I'm sort of happy after my car gets a certain number of dings on it. You know, the first one is, oh,
1: oh. after that, so what?
0: So, um, pleasure and pain. So in a certain way, we've been talking about this with um, with, with Vedana, because really it is just pleasure and pain, and we can certainly easily um, form a sense of self around both of those. We know those. And they're changing, too, constantly. I mean, I, I've got... I've got knees that are a bit troublesome. I've got two degenerative shoulders that are troublesome. I just got an MRI of my left hip because it's been bothering me. That's bothering me too. So um, pain, pleasure and pain. Yeah, pain's part of the deal. But again, you know, should I... I love my my orthopedist because he told me I should just keep playing softball.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He told me just what I wanted to hear. Yeah,
0: just keep playing, he said. You know, if you just sit around, it's not going to get better. So, play. So, and uh, and disrepute and fame, yeah. I mean, these are are tough issues. You know, I went through some times when, with my radiology group where I was kind of on the outs because I was taking a certain position within the group and I didn't have a Buddhist practice at that time. It was a pretty long time ago. It was painful. It was disrepute. It was. It was. It was hard. Uh, I suffered big time. I wish I'd had the practice. Huh? I would have been able to deal with it a lot better. So, so this is another way that the Buddha says. This is. He's pointing towards this to say. Um, these are areas where you might kind of notice it. You know, praise and blame, loss and gain, pleasure and pain, disrepute and fame. Because these, these are areas where it's likely that you're going to identify. So he, he shows you the way the self doesn't really exist in, in an ultimate sense with, uh, with the uh, uh, aggregates. And then he kind of points to where you might get caught. And then he gives you the mindfulness and the foundations to deal with it. Pretty amazing guy, really. I have great gratitude for this practice. It's been so wonderful for me. It's really changed my life. So I just want to look and make sure there wasn't something really important that I didn't get a chance to say. So I would suggest.
1: Oh, I know the thing I
0: wanted to say. I didn't see this film. I would suggest that you pay attention to the personal pronouns. So if we're really paying attention to our dialogue, our narrative that's running, and we start to hear things like I, me, my her, he, she, they. Pay attention to that. Because there's probably a sense of self lurking (laughs) somewhere in that thought. Somewhere in that thought, there's going to be a sense of the self. So it's not so much... That these aggregates, there's anything wrong with these aggregates? It, because it makes it, 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 it is what we are. and, and It describes pretty well this bo- body mind complex that we have: the form, the the feeling, the the, um, the perceptions, the, um, the mental proliferations, the mental aspects, and habits, and uh, and our consciousness. And so it it's not. The aggregates that are the problem. It's the clinging mm, that's the problem. It's getting attached. It's identifying. It's the I, me, and mine. And the the the, um, the um, monks like to say it's the movement of the mind. It's when the mind moves from just its raw experience, and that's you know, a sight, pleasant to I gotta have more of that. I gotta keep that one. It's that movement of the mind. That's that's where the cascade starts. That's where the self really starts to come. And so um, I've got to have that. There it was. See that personal pronoun. So so really paying attention to when those 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 arrive. So I think we'll sit for just a second and sort of let all that papancha kind of settle. if the mind is settled for some reason and kind of quiet definitely don't let that go by unnoticed